Welcome everybody to Damage Radio, heard here live on MockerRadio.com or Music Reminds Me. Y'all already know me, I'm Marcy, alongside my guests today, the hottest faction in the MFPW, taking professional wrestling by storm. We got the MFPW Tag Champs in Brett and Goldie. We also had the MFPW Network Champion in Goldie, and they've recently returned back to the MFPW, Sean. Together, they are known as the Golden Error. Gentlemen, welcome back to Damage Radio. How you been? Introduced us any better. <laughs> Great to be Thank here. you. Well, you guys, as everyone know, are born better. So, of course. So, uh, catch us up, guys. How's everything been since the pandemic? Since it happened a year and a half ago, how have you guys been handling it? And how's the mindset been? Mindset's been good. Um, I've I've been feeling good. Um, getting better every day. Um, life's good, even when you think it's. Now you just got to remind yourself that it'd be a lot worse, and you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, probably the most successful we've been so far, and uh, hopefully when the world opens back up, we'll just keep going, but even faster. Yeah, you just got to look at the pauses of the whole situation. Like, we're still wrestling. So there's people out there wrestling schools that haven't even opened up yet. So you just try to look at all the positives in every situation possible, and that's pretty much how I get through it. So how was that not wrestling, you know, your, your, your favorite love that you love to do, not being able to do it? What was the, did you guys have trouble uh, going by day, day-to-day life? Yeah, it was weird. Um, it was weird even up until long we started wrestling. We've been wrestling actually like physically for like four months now, maybe. Yeah. And before that, Dan... Monster Factory was safe. We still trained, but we did non-physical, all mass, all distance, promos, mm-hmm. all the, the other side of wrestling that is probably even more important than actually wrestling. So it was weird to not be able to do actual wrestling, but we still got, we were able to work on the things that we should be working on and can't usually work on as much. But right. Did you get to do like a, like study taping, like study matches. I guess you had a lot of that to get do at least, right? Yeah, we did. Uh, we studied a few. I know the biggest one we did was um, Red Heart and uh, One Two Three Kid. Yeah, we all set up, bring uh, notepads, talk about the match. It's pretty, pretty helpful because that's we we did it very, very infrequently before. We would usually watch like some of our matches and see like what we could work on but like this was like the first time we really looked at past wrestling and like really good matches and analyzed it yeah and having danny there pause that moment to explain why certain people are doing certain things it gives a whole different viewpoint of how like to go into a match right now brad this is your first time on damage radio uh for those that don't know what inspired you to pursue professional wrestling um i would just say falling in love with it as a kid um I have a lot of memories of not being happy uh, throughout a lot of my childhood, and the the staying feeling of happiness always stemmed from pro wrestling. So I had a lot of interests, nothing that was incredible to me, nothing that really drew me in until I just thought about being a pro wrestler again, and I thought it might be possible, so I went out and I did it. Do you remember that first match that got you hooked? Uh, 
anything John Cena did in 2008. <laughs> Got me hooked. John Cena fan, oh man. So anything in particular that you liked about John Cena that, you know, was like, this is what I want to do? Um, just hustle loyalty and respect, man. I don't know. <laughs> it was just like, it was just every, everything he did, I loved. Um, you were eight years old. So I was eight years old, so, so, so I love John Cena. If you actually, I don't know if you still have the picture of it. If you look at Brett's Instagram, there's a picture of him dressed up <laughs> as John Cena. And then, no. and then I think, high, was it high school? Did you put that picture? Oh, yeah, it was high school. High school, yeah. Just yeah. a full John Cena. Oh, dude, it, was, it, was, it was great. <laughs> Damaged. So, Brett when, um, Brett, when you were looking for schools, was the Monster Factory the first one on your list, or were you looking at elsewhere? No, I mean, I'm relatively close to the Monster Factory. Um, and I, I was very young when I started. I was 17. And I didn't really understand pro wrestling, and I didn't understand that you had to go to school for it or anything. Uh, I just kind of looked up pro wrestling and then was like, oh, this one's close. And then went, and I didn't know I fell into the lap of like one of the most famous wrestling schools in America somehow. Right. So walking through those doors, seeing those frames up on the walls, and knowing the the history of back behind it, what were your thoughts? Uh, it was just it was so much that I couldn't even like begin to understand. I knew it was going to take forever to even begin to understand any of it. I joined. I joined in the beginning of. Uh, a change where we were joining up with some companies and everything was, was cascading and falling and um, everything changed, everything changed <laughs> over. Like every time I went in, something was different and I didn't even know what it was like to begin with. Um, so I went in during a lot of changes. So it took forever to even understand what the regular factory was, what the old factory was in the middle and after that. Mm -hmm. So Everything was different inside the factory, so to even begin to understand pro wrestling was the next step after that. So, gentlemen, finding your, your spot and your place in a company when you're fairly new, when you both started out, was it, hard, was it difficult for you guys, or did you kind of just kind of know who to talk to, or just kind of blend right in? Um, it definitely was a little awkward, I guess, going in. Because I, I guess growing up, I always did something with somebody, with my friends, so this is the first time. Especially going in, like I was like the youngest person there besides Goldie. So there's like a bunch of grown men. I go in there and I'm like a kid still. I don't know what it's about. And they're all doing these like flips and bumps and stuff. And the ring's so loud and so big. And when there's, it, it was it was a lot. It was definitely a, a culture shock, but you get used to it over a period of time. Yeah, I was the same exact way. <clears throat> I was the youngest for, well, other than Mimi, but Mimi was never around. Um, I was the youngest surrounded by a bunch of big men mm -hmm. who I didn't know. And I was I was always a really uh, shy kid, I guess. I never did things with people I didn't know. So I turned 17. I was able to drive, and I, I went there. It was probably the, the boldest thing I've ever done, and it worked out. Yeah. Um, I, just, I just made it. Uh, an initiative to go in every every day, every day I could, because um, that's that's really all all you can do in the beginning. It wasn't great, it wasn't awesome, but I just knew if I just kept at it and gave it a fair chance that it would hook me in, and it did. Uh, Brett, describe that uh, first bump. What was the adrenaline going through your body that you had that first bump in the ring? Um, it was I don't know what I'm doing. Fall. Um, not breathe before I did, so I lost all the air out of my body, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't breathe. 
<laughs> now, could you take us back to your first ever match? Uh, do you remember who it was against and the adrenaline that was going you, you were going through behind yeah. the curtain? I remember it was my it was the weekend of my prom. Uh, it was the day after my prom, and it was against Jafar. And Dan still did not know my name. He pointed, <laughs> he pointed to me and said, you have a match. And I had never worked a match before. Um, and I, I do not remember anything that happened in the match. I do not remember being in the ring. But I remember being outside the ring, and then I remember being outside the ring again. And stuff happened in the middle that wasn't a train wreck. So I'm very happy with that. So finding your place in professional wrestling, whether you want to be a heel or a face, and... Um, Sell, selling to the crowd and making sure they're into it. Did that come naturally for you guys, or did it take a lot of work? No, I think, I think one of the weirdest things for us, I mean, just speaking for myself, and I'm sure you guys too, was like when a lot of people would talk about characters or being yourself and being yourself turned into 11, it was really weird because we were still at the point and still are now where people, where we don't know who we are in regular world and there's like people are asking you what jobs you want to do and what interests you and how you are as a person and we're still growing and trying to figure out who that is whereas other people who are say 27 instead of 17 have already had those experiences kind of are more comfortable with themselves as a person and know how to turn that up to 11 whereas we're just trying to figure out who we are regularly yeah um no, I, I was. I'm still not really even comfortable being a character. Uh, I, I try my best to make the character like myself, so I don't have to try so much. But I'm not really as much of a a jerk in real life as I am in the ring. Um, for me, it's just hard to be vocal. It's just. I. It's still like I get. I cringe. Just. I feel awkward. I feel stupid. Which. They'll always tell you in wrestling, if you don't feel stupid, you're not doing it right. Uh, and that's kind of just something that I need to get past to be a better heel. Yeah, I think I'm with Goldie on that one, where I'm, I'm still understanding it more. And like I said, like, the whole heel face thing, I always wanted to be a face. Like, I never even thought about being a heel until, I guess, this whole goal and everything came to be. And, and it definitely is, it, 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 it's... Yeah, it's something you learn on the fly. You learn as you go. I'm, I'm learning more and more each, each time I get in there. But, yeah, man, that's just I guess how it is. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the new trainers at the um, World Famous Monster Factory. What do you guys think of them? And uh, also the new blood, the, the, the new students in there. Um, yeah, so we have Missy, um, Missy Sampson, Ricky Reyes, and Danny Cage now. Um Ricky takes on Sundays, and his training is uh, like no other because he just has the experience of wrestling all over the world against some of the greatest wrestlers ever, and he just has the in-ring knowledge of how to really wrestle. Um, Missy has Tuesdays, and she understands character and, and promos and how to get over and that kind of stuff. So she's got that down. Dan has the other days, and Dan's got everything. Obviously, he's been doing this long enough. He knows how to train people to be people. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, man, we're just ridiculously lucky to have the coaches that we have. Because, I mean, like, obviously everyone knows Danny Cage's track record, what he's produced. Like, Ricky Reyes is a phenomenal wrestler. Like, that, that man, like, you know, I'll be calling a match with, like, Marvelous or Brett for saying, he'll just say, like, one little thing. And, like, it makes a, a good match to a great match, like, just like that. Like, he's such a smart guy. And Missy's amazing. <laughs> Missy, everyone walks in the door, she gives everyone a hug. She did just a, a bowl of, like, positive energy that we need and we love. Yeah, and she's, we she's, she's like the Monster Factory mom. Yeah, 100%. She's like nice. the whole mom to us. And it's, it's such a great feeling to know that we have such these awesome coaches and they all have our backs no matter what. Yeah, and all the uh, all the new guys are, are great. I mean, no no problems. I mean, starting starting wrestling in a, in a pandemic is a crazy concept to do. Mm-hmm. When there's it's it's just a, a weird thing to to do and to do well. And I mean, they're they're pushing on and they're doing it. So hats off to them. Definitely, yeah. Missy and I go way back, probably like uh, 2008 when she was helping out with the World One wrestling. And I was just on the street team member, just trying to get into the business. So I, I know how nice she is. And uh, Ricky, up and down from, from Lucha Underground to now helping you guys out. That's, that's pretty amazing. And Danny, we all know Danny. Capital of Thailand, Bangkok. Yeah, I felt for it right always. But I guess that's how it, how it is these days. But knowing that you guys have been there, when the new guys do come in, do you guys put yourself in their shoes and kind of make sure you guys go over to them and talk to them and keep them motivated? Yeah, you know, uh, when I talk to them, I think about like what what I would want to hear if I was a new guy. Like not not just not, not, I'm not saying that as in like I'll just tell them the positives of what's going on. Like I'm gonna tell them what the wrongs and how to critique them. I'm saying like the the certain aspects in wrestling. Like some some person might not understand to the fullest, or someone doesn't go over. Like I'll go over to a new guy, talk to him outside. Like oh, they're doing that because of this or this because of that. Because I would have wanted to hear it personally myself. And these guys are the future. Like. <laughs> Eventually, like in the years go on, if we all make it big, like they're gonna be the ones run, like at the Monster Battery calling the shows, and we want to make sure that they're doing a great job, just like everyone else is right now. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's hard to get to know them, just because mm-hmm. it's a revolving door. So yeah. many people come and go. Yeah. People last a week, people last a month, some people last a year, and, and they quit. So it's hard to, you know. Um, put time into people when you don't know if it's going to be worth it. But you can usually tell based on their worth that ethic, ethic or their mindset. Because some people come in thinking it's a game or it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like, well, hit me with the chair. And you're like, okay. So you don't, you don't <laughs> yeah. understand what wrestling really is. And you can judge if, you know, you should really be putting a lot of effort into this person to help them get better or not. I mean, I'm going to try to help everyone, but it's, a, it's something you have to judge. Yeah, my first conversation with someone will normally not be related to wrestling and will just be related to life. And through their perception of life is normally how I can judge the head on their shoulders. And I go on from there. Right. So um, let's talk about, like, without struggle, there's no progress. Um, in the beginning, when you guys were trying to... Um, keep your head in the game and trust your coaches that they had a bigger picture for you. Was it hard to not give up or did you guys just continue to keep going one step higher? Um, I mean, I've told this story before. Every day I went to training for the first probably like four months and I tried to quit the pandemic. Um, just because, like I said earlier, I wasn't comfortable there. 
not because they made me feel uncomfortable. It was just such a different experience for me being surrounded by people I didn't know, people I didn't have anything in common with. And when I started, I had to do lockups every day for months, mm -hmm. which is completely different from how it was in the beginning of the pandemic, because we couldn't touch each other, so they had to learn like everything backwards. But yeah, it was hard in the beginning to keep pushing through because I, I didn't want to be there a lot, but here we are now. Yeah, I um kind of the opposite for me. I'm like stubbornly loyal, if that makes any sense. I really don't try to veer from my path for a long time um, to the point where it could even be detrimental to me, where I wouldn't even begin to question um, the things that I'm being told. So I try to find trustworthy people like Danny and just ride that wave. And I've been riding that wave for a long time, for uh, a little while now. And I'll just keep riding that wave, honestly, because he's a great dude. I mean, yeah, I think I can speak for all of us where there's all days where, like, it is really hard and it's pushing us to the max. And sometimes we're like, man, I really don't want to be here right now. But at the end of the day, like, this is all of our dreams and this is what we got to go through in order to make that happen. So that's, that's what we got to do. So Brett and Goldie winning those MFPW Tag Champs Championships, what was that like, man? Um... It was, it was good. It was great. It was exciting. Um, yeah, it was one of those, um, one of those long time coming things. One of those things where you, you're like, you're like, it's, it's not if it's when, um, and it, it was, it was strange. And I really know the feeling. It was like, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was really rewarding. Uh, I just couldn't wait to defend them. Honestly, I couldn't wait to, to have my next match. I'm always excited. After the match ends, I'm excited to have my next one. To be honest, that's my feeling every single time the match ends. Yeah, I pretty much the same. I can't say it any better. But being double champ, Goldie, how's that feel, man? Like, have that confidence that uh, they know, like, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, winning, winning the uh, MF Network Championship from Congo back more than 200 days ago now. Uh, <laughs> Who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was that was cool. That was my first title. Um, winning it from someone like Congo was special because he's been everywhere. He's he's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, and to, it's it's not really even winning the title that really means anything. It's more just that you're trusted enough, or they think that you're good enough to be able to carry the brand on your shoulders and to be able to do that in two different divisions, I guess, means a lot. Definitely. Now, um, trust is very important. So learning from others, um, seminars, do you guys have a favorite seminar that you've been to that you picked the person's ear long after it was, the thing was over? Um, one of my favorite, which I'm going to regret saying is, uh, Kevin Kelly's seminar. <laughs> I know he doesn't like you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's such a nice guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a, he's a jerk. Screw yeah. him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's just so knowledgeable um, with the things that like we're especially not good with. Because promos are like the hardest part, obviously. And he's the master of talking. So... Mm -hmm. Being able to cut a promo in front of him and 
have him critique you and say, why don't you try this with your character or keep going with that, it's uh, special. Yeah, I would definitely say Kevin Kelly's seminar as well. I mean, for the, the high caliber of wrestler or high caliber of a wrestling figure he is, and for him to be that humble and nice and willing to go down there and give us his knowledge, it was, it was, it was something else. It was mind-blowing. I really appreciate it all. Yeah, we had, we also had a John Gresham stop by for like yeah that was yeah it, it, it wasn't a real seminar but he stopped by for like two hours before he set up a show um because it was the only time he was available and i mean just the stuff he he dropped on us in two hours was awesome yeah. i mean stuff that i still i mean I, I still quote almost everything he says all the time now the art of the promo you just mentioned goldie uh standing on that big block and cutting a promo on whoever danny tells you to do you, is that what you guys thrive on? Do you guys like that, like that spontaneity, or <laughs> that is uh, the worst day of training every time for me? Really? Uh, yeah, I I hate unscripted, not even on, just going up, not really knowing what I'm, what I need to say, or sitting on the side waiting to cut my promo and going through my head. I still get like butterflies in my stomach waiting to go up. Um, I feel you on that one. When I did the when I did the camp there, waiting, knowing that they this this RC better talk good on the mic because that's what he does. I knew I would like over my head. I was trying to say what I was going to say, and but when I was about to go up, I went blank, and I was like, "Son of yep. a!" <laughs> so I, I know what you're talking about. That's the worst with planning them out in those kind of scenarios because you have it all in your head. You get up there, you get partway through, and it's like, well. All that's gone. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I, I hated them for a while. Uh, I still butterflies, for sure, oh, and I'm yeah. still worried yeah. about what to say. But honestly, getting a character knowing who you are changes everything, yeah. whether wrestling or cutting a promo. I mean, I know that I can go up there and I have things in my pocket, and I write. I'm constantly writing and listening to promos and you know, just being able to come up with stuff on the spot to just have, whether it's an exclamation point at the end of my promo or something, and just having the confidence for 30 seconds to be a little vamp while I'm coming up with something about the topic has definitely gotten better, and I feel way more confident in cutting a promo, but it's definitely not my favorite. That's one of the most important things, honestly. Always, Dan said it too, having something in your pocket to be able to do at any time. You never know when you need to go out there or if you're at like a tryout, they're going to make you cut a promo. Just always cutting promos and having things in the back of the head that you can throw out and use for anything is big. Yeah, I agree with both, both these guys and everything pretty much. It definitely is the worst day. But it's like intended to be to them. If you ask 99.9% wrestlers, that's obviously the, most, the worst day for all of them. It is very uncomfortable, but that's the whole point behind it because Danny's ideas didn't make us uncomfortable. Yeah. But it kind of, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, that's the whole idea behind it. But, I mean, it definitely does help doing it because they can take us and they do all that stuff. So when we get on the shows and we cut promos, it's like way easier. Uh, Gold, you said on the fly. Have you guys ever had to go off the fly um, live in the ring in front of an audience? Um. I, we, we, we haven't been given, um, for promo-wise, we, we've been given time. But the amount of time spent writing those promos isn't that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recently cut a the, the promo that I cut against Royal Royal before Shaheen uh, came in was uh, 
was definitely not planned. <laughs> no. I didn't go in with, because we, it was basically like, all right, you have 20 minutes for match promo. Okay, that leaves us no time. So we'll come up with an end of a match, and then we'll, we'll, all the rest will be on the fly. Yeah. So that, I mean, so time was given, but we definitely used the time in the right spot. And then I was able to vamp. Talking to the microphone was the scariest part of that. I never talked to the microphone before that. But other than that, I think it went pretty well. Okay. Now, Brett, um, over the course of the pandemic, you really put in the work to get in tremendous shape. What did you do differently? What motivated you? And uh, what was the driving force behind it? Um, well, what did I do differently? I'm always doing something different. Um, I definitely, I couldn't go to the gym, so I was doing a lot more at-home stuff. Um, but I'm constantly changing my diet um, and trying to think of better options and more of what I want to do and studying. Because I've never really had um, a trainer for uh, a physical trainer or a personal trainer uh, to, to analyze what I'm doing, analyze my diet and all that. So I've been studying, constantly changing. And the biggest thing was probably the time that I had. And uh, the biggest thing, last biggest thing wasn't the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing. <laughs> Um, would be, I definitely have taken on the message of being patiently impatient, uh, which is the, the best lesson that I can give to anyone is to be patiently impatient, meaning that you have to live every day as if tomorrow is the big day, but knowing that it's not knowing that tomorrow could be the day that I wrestle in front of blank, or I have to talk in front of blank, or I have to take a picture for blank and knowing that tomorrow could be that day, but also knowing that it won't. And that was just the work, the work ethic that I put in to do that. Definitely. Uh, Goldie and Sean, what did you guys see in Brett that you guys thought he was born better and ready for the golden air? Um, thanks. <laughs> he made up for my small legs. No, um, I, he, we always kind of just hit it off. I guess it's just the age thing again. Just, we have a lot in common. Uh, we we always talked even before um, before he was part of us. Even when we were beating him up, he was always still hanging around us, and uh, that's just what I saw in him. Well, Brett joined when I was gone, but I mean, I was happy he was in it when I came back because Brett, like, like Andy was, and like Bobby Faye, they're like our top friends when there. Like we're always chilling and doing stuff together. And also, like, when we did our old videos, like, Brett was the cameraman. So Brett was always involved in what we did beforehand. So he had a really, really good idea of what the character was and how to fit himself right into it. Now, where is Andy these days? Uh, business, business trips. Yeah. <laughs> Look, looking for better born talent? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see who he uh, drags in. Yeah. Okay. Now, Sean, you recently just returned back in March after a lengthy absence for over almost a year. Uh, what were you doing on that over that time off, and uh, do you feel more motivated more than ever being back? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to get personal with you guys for quick, I guess, but uh, I was definitely not mentally good at that period of time when I first left. Uh, like when the pandemic first happened, it definitely hit me, originally hit me pretty hard, where there was no wrestling at all. And then there's, I don't really have a, like, I have a family, but now I'm support my decision to, to, to pursue this as a career. So they're all in my ear saying, like, yeah, you need to stop this wrestling crowd, like, and just get a real job. 
and there's a bunch of them saying that, and it's it all got in my head, and I was like, you know what, maybe they're right. So I hit up Danny and said, yo, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to stop wrestling. I need to get a job. And I started working a job. It's miserable all the time. Uh, and that's how I was going for a while. Until one day I was chilling in my room at night, and I was thinking, like, what am I doing? I was like, this, this is my dream ever since I was a little kid, and I'm going to let some people tell me how to live my life and tell me what I should do. So the very next day, I quit my job and had Danny ask him if I can come back, which thankfully he, he said I could, and going to be more happy to be back. And like I said, it definitely lights a fire in me because now I'm out to prove everyone that told me I couldn't do it wrong and why this could be a career for me and why I'm going to make it a career for myself. I know mentally when people are trying to bring you down and, and tell you what you can and cannot do, it's e- very easy to believe them. So kudos to you for, you know, knowing what your path is and knowing at the end of the day, you don't give a you-know-what and you're going to do what you want to do. So Now, Goldie, was it hard to bring him back into the golden era or did you have to have a conversation and be like, listen, you're born better, so this time make sure you stick with us? Um. When I, I, I got the text of, hey, I want to come back, like, uh, all right, but do you actually want to come back? Um, and Sean's one of my best friends, so obviously I want him there. But it was the question of, you know, is he going to stick it out? Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to him more, and I figured he, he was serious. And... Dan had the idea of him coming back. The first show, he came back to help us win the titles. And so he was just automatically back in. So wrestling without a crowd, we see it on SmackDown and Raw for so long, even now. How hard is that really, knowing that you guys have been performing for, for how long? Uh, um, it's... All your energy comes from the crowd. Uh, you're always taught to take your energy from the crowd, to feel the crowd, to build your match around the crowd. And you basically have to do that without seeing the crowd, without hearing the crowd. So you have to imagine what the crowd would do at certain times. And everything that you're imagining in the back, it just has to be right. You have to know that the crowd's going. You can't go, I have to wait till I hear the crowd to do this, or I have to know when the crowd's going to turn or, or change or shift, and then that's when I kick it into gear. You just have to know. But when you're in the back and say, this is when they should do it, that's when you have to do it because you have to trust your instincts. You have to trust that that's when the crowd feels that way, and you just have to do it. And like, like I said earlier, like we, I personally uh, still cringe at myself like yelling in front of a crowd. Doing that in front of no one is so much worse. Yeah. You just you feel like an idiot. It's yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that one they said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely is strange because like like Brett said, you feed all your energy off the crowd. And that's how you react to certain things. So when you're screaming and yelling and there's no crowd there, you just look like an idiot. It feels so awkward. So <laughs> definitely is weird. Now, Brett, I didn't get the chance to ask you, but do you have a favorite highlight thus far in your the beginning of your career now to, to now? Favorite highlight. Um. I guess it would have to be winning winning the tag titles. Um, I don't. I I lost a lot before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I lost for a long time. I mean, I was probably in like 
six trios matches against the Golden Era and mm-hmm. lost every time. Uh, I was I was part of the rise to the top. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, beforehand they, they were there were a lot of good ones. Uh, I had a great match against Jafar. Um, I thought it was great for where I was um, for the middleweight medallion. Uh, that just made me. He he taught me so much in the match with just feeling feeling the crowd and being able to just you know not do exactly what you think's right and do what you feel is right. Uh, so that 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 would be like a, a personal, not really seen highlight, but the highlight would be winning the tag belts. Now you said you you were losing a lot. Was it your loyalty that kept you coming back, knowing that there was a plan for you? Uh, yeah, I, I know that I know that losing. It, it, Dan always says. Uh, it's not your part of the movie yet. He always he always says that, and I know because if I were to lose on Monday Night Raw, I would still tell people to watch. I, if I were to die in a movie, I would still tell people to watch. It's the fact that I was in the movie that I would want people to watch. It wouldn't be what would happen to me. I wouldn't just want people to watch when I finally beat whoever and I finally won the belt. I would want people to watch every time, even when it's not my part of the movie. Now, how important is, especially at the world-famous Monster Factory, uh, earning your stripes? So you, you work at the front door, then you work at concessions, then you work on you know, selling tickets, and going, going and go forth. How important was that for you guys to not only check the ego, if there was an ego, and two, knowing that you know, it, is, it is real? Uh, I always had a really fun time because uh, it, it was always the new guys, the guys that you had so much in common with, the guys that you know, were either your age or your experience level. So you, you all were just excited for, to see, you were excited to watch the people that you trained with every week have matches and put on matches. And you were excited to hang out with all the people that you never really got to talk to during the week. And that you just got to get, it was just working front door, working all those jobs is where you got, got to know everyone and where you just really made the connections and got close to everyone. So then that next week of training, you're even closer than ever. Yeah, um, I hated it. <laughs> I don't want to have to sit with people all night. Um, but I think that's that formula is what makes the Monster Factory so successful. Um, being able to do everything, um, being able to be able to do concessions, tickets, know how to do music, know how to run gimmicks, uh, lighting filming everything so when you go to somewhere else you can be a good hand and you're not just going to be a bad carrier when you go there you can be an asset to put Andy Mills yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I also like Brad I actually I love it as well I worked merchandise so I was able to see every single match that happened and I wouldn't say I was, I, I was like oh man I should be out there because I knew I had more training to do and more stuff to accomplish. But just watching it gave you, gave you more excitement to finally get in the ring and just push you that much harder to try to make it out there next show. Now, you guys give off that fraternity brothers vibe and seem extremely close. Uh, what guys? What, what got you, you guys to that point, and does it help with the chemistry in the ring? Um, it definitely helps with the chemistry. There's no question about that just got to this point because we became genuine friends uh when i met sean we hit it off and then brett came around and we hit it off as well and it just 
Yeah. Well, Brett was tired of losing, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I need to join these guys. They're obviously good. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, just it's just a real friendship of we like each other. We can work off each other well, video wise, wrestling wise. We just have the connection of always being together, always knowing what each other are thinking, good or bad. Yeah, time time flies with you guys. Like. I, I think about like oh last training or, or remember that time recently and you'll be like like September and I'll be like oh yeah I guess September <laughs> or July or I mean time just time just flies it'll be like a, a, a year a year ago and I'll still say like oh one of the last shows and so time just I mean time just flies every moment feels like it was it was the last one. I mean, you got here like four hours ago. We were, we were supposed to film a promo, right? <laughs> oh, we were supposed to film a promo. We had a set time to show up. Sean <laughs> had to get a haircut that took him three hours, apparently. There's a lot. So we still have to film a promo after this. But, yeah, time flies, I guess. Yes, time flies. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with both of them. Uh, being with them, obviously working with them is way easier than working with someone, I guess, someone you're not really as much acquainted with. Because we tell each other, we're not afraid to tell each other when we think things are bad or when we think things are good, which ultimately leads to our best videos because we try to think of our, what we all think is the best and what we all think is bad. And we use whatever little knowledge we have together to put it through the best content we can create. A lot of it's just pitching dumb ideas. Yeah. Like, hey, what if, what, if we, uh, what if we make this into a sitcom? Like, what if, what if there's a laugh track there? It's like, yeah. yeah, that's really dumb, but that's like really funny. <laughs> and then it just keeps piling on, piling on until we get the best video i guess well let's go into this sitcom and the golden girl spoofs Dude, that's freaking amazing like who came up with that idea and uh i the, the vibe and, and the uh comments man have been off the chain yeah i guess i guess it was probably me me and goldie we were talking it was just always a song that i loved i loved the feel i loved <laughs> the opening it, it was kind of like it was kind of like full house adjacent in my mind of, of like a famous sitcom opening scene and I love the song I would have always hum it even though I didn't know the lyrics and it was just something that I just genuinely really enjoyed and I, I brought it up to Goldie about how it would be I brought it up to him like two years ago yeah we, we actually had that idea yeah. a long time ago before Brett was even part of us yeah and he was like and I was like I was like oh Golden and then like two years later just yeah, wound up happening time, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have, like, a favorite, like, sitcom songs that, that you guys like? Since you go in and girls, you said that, that song you really enjoyed. Yeah, Full House is up there, for Plus, sure. That's my top one, too. That's the best show ever. I love um, Full House. How do you favorite sitcom songs? Oh, Friends, Friends is a great <laughs> one. Friends, Friends is a great one. Um, Fresh Prince. Fresh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we did the, we do this, we do a lot of Seinfeld gags, you know, yeah. they, they don't really have a song. Yeah, the whole sitcom thing started because, uh... I walked in the door like Kramer. Yeah, and I'm like, what if you actually do that? Yeah, and, and then it just And then it's like, yeah, what if you, we add, like, a clap track, and then it just tilts. Now, being in this business, you guys are businessmen, so gimmicks, selling shirts, and everything... Who taught you guys how to do that? Did you guys just learn from others or and designing your shirts and all that? Talk about that. I I pride myself on I've always had kind of this 
business mindset of things. Like with the golden air, I I never treated it like I don't know how to I never treat it like it's just this wrestling thing. I treat it like a brand. I don't yeah. just treat it like it's us as a group. It's a brand. It's a brand. Um, yeah, so I've, I've always looked at wrestling and myself and us as a group, as a brand, and not as individuals. Because you can, it's hard to sell a person rather than sell the golden mm -hmm. era. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, you, you say like for the brand, it makes me think of Pat McAfee because I love oh, everything that he does mm -hmm. with the for the brand stuff. And that, that's all I can think is like having our own idea and having our own thing that someone can actually get behind because it, it is far easier to get behind a brand to get behind an idea than it is a person and that's you have to be you have to be a business of a and our business just happens to be a group yeah i agree with both this <laughs> but uh yeah danny always says like you're the rest you are your own business so you got promoted like you would if you had your own business so that's the way i look at it so selling your first shirt and, and and also writing your first autograph, how'd that feel? Shirts uh, was cool because yeah, I wasn't expecting to have the response that we did, mm -hmm. and to for the person to walk back with an envelope full of money and to realize <laughs> yeah. that wow, like a lot of people bought our shirts, like mm -hmm. people are going to be wearing our shirts around. It's a, a cool idea. And with the whole, like, having kids go back there and sign autographs for them, that was, that's a really cool feeling because I was that kid at one point walking backstage and having people sign autographs for me. And I know how I felt. I felt like a, as if it was my hero and signing autographs. And it was the best feeling ever. And to be able to provide that feeling for another kid was something so special you can't forget it. Yeah, that's a big problem. One of the bigger issues with the pandemic now because we haven't been able to interact with fans like mm -hmm. that and we haven't been able to sell shirts because we don't want any fan interaction at monster factory um so yeah that's one of the harder parts of it now not being able to have those face-to-face uh, -face connections yeah mm -hmm. and um the passion you guys had you guys at the end of an event like 10 10 30 passion to still keep that smile on your face and hey thanks for coming and interacting with the fans backstage was that was that hard to get used to or was that just one of the things that you just were taught naturally to do no i mean the night the night never ends at 10 30. Yeah. um so it, I, it was always it was always good i mean you always had that end of show excitement you know if it's a good show then it's you know getting to hear what went well or getting to you know, congratulate or thank or, you know, just be, I mean, the, the excitement around a great show is awesome. I mean, there's nothing that really compares to a show that went well. Yeah, it's no, it's not putting on a smile. It's a genuine, like, it's cool to see the fans. It's cool to have them want to come back and see us. Yeah, I look forward to that because it's, it's weird being in the wrestler's point of, point of view than being in the fans point of view so i always look forward to seeing the fans and having them take pictures and autographs and all that stuff i definitely agree with you guys especially social social distancing it's so hard especially like for me having to do interviews not in person at the montgomery county community college or not being able to come to the world famous monster factory and sit in the corner and have you guys come over one by one to do interviews 
you, you miss that. Like you, you feel like sometimes you take advantage of that, and when it's gone, you don't realize how lucky you have it. And with the Monster Factory, how lucky you guys have it with the equipment there, being able to have everything at your fingertips. You know, now being back, I, I bet you guys feel more appreciative than you probably already did. So let's talk a little about um, preparing for matches. Uh, how did you guys prepare differently for a singles match compared to a tag match compared to a trios match? Uh, do you guys have a preference between them? Uh, I would say tags, just because I can bounce my ideas off. Goalie and I can bounce our ideas off each other. Um, trios is just a whole can of worms we haven't fully explored yet. Uh, I mean, obviously, like AEW every week, there's like an insane trios match. And it's obviously there's a science to it, and there's there, there's ways to go into it, but we haven't really explored and gone into and had the 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 ability or the the option to really have all those number and number and number of bad trios matches that you need before you have a good trios match. So the trios is definitely the hardest to plan overall, especially when not given a lot of time because normally it will be given five or eight minutes for six guys when normally two guys get five minutes. So it's, it's, it's really hard to fit everything and make everything make sense and work. Um, but with the, with the singles or, or tags, I just have to say tags, yeah, so I could bounce everything off Goldie. Uh, I personally, I mean, I love it all. I think tag matches are easier than singles matches because, <laughs> I mean, like you said, you have just four people rather than two, so everyone bouncing around all their ideas around and sharing the ideas. And it being less tiring as well because there's another person to tag in. But the singles matches to me is probably I like to do more because I feel like it highlights yourself more. It gets like more of you out there and to the fans. So I think that it definitely like that's definitely the best one. Now for tag matches, when you guys are standing on the outside of the ropes, the rhythm without the fans there, what what keeps you guys motivated in, into the match and get ready to get back into the ring? Like, do you guys have was that an issue for you guys at all? Getting used to tag matches? Honestly, I guess it's more playing off of your tag team partner yeah. the other team. Uh, either as heels, you know, making dumb jokes or whatever. Or his faces and making dumb jokes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just feeding off of each other. That's Tag team matches without crowds is probably easier than singles just because you have those extra people that you can feed off of. Yeah, but the weirdest thing is the whole point of a, a tag match is for the hot tag. Oh, yeah. the, the hot tags, I mean, if the hot tag isn't hot, then the match bad. And, and I mean, it's, it's the most simple equation that there is. Um, so to not know whether a hot tag landed or not in the match is, is strange. But, you know, you, you, got, you got to have that feeling. Now, let's talk a little about trust. Trusting your opponent in the ring with you, and um, how important is trust? Uh, that's probably the most, one of the most important parts. Uh, that's Dan teaches a lot. That's what all the trainings for. You're not getting into the ring until Dan and others trust that you hurt someone or that you have the ability ability to go through it all. So. Yeah, being able and trusting them to make you look good as well as trusting yourself to make them look good is—it's just yeah, it's a dance. Yeah. To me, trust is everything. Like 
every time you go out there, you're putting your life on the line in someone else's hands. So you got to be able to trust that guy and trust that he's gonna make the right decisions and and be safe with you in order to put on, I guess, a great show and a good make keep everyone safe. So yeah, trust is everything to me. Now, what's one thing you guys would have told yourself when you first started out that you would tell yourself now? Um, mine would be probably to not listen to outside people. Just stick with your stick with your gut, stick with your dream. Like I said, I didn't have much of an outside influence. People telling me, "Oh, you can do this." So I'll tell them, "Like, yeah, man, don't listen to that outside noise. That you can make this happen. If you really put your mind to it." I would honestly just say, like, get ready. You know, um, I mean, when I started, I, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get any of it, as I've already said, and I didn't know the commitment and everything that it was going to be. I didn't know that my life was going to be wrestling and then blank. I thought it would be life and then wrestling. It's wrestling and then life is really what it's turned into. That, that would be the biggest thing I'd say would be it's going to be wrestling and then life. Yeah, just stick with it. That's pretty much it. Yep. Well, is it out. hard for you guys to learn the balance between work and then wrestling and then social life? Have you guys figured that out yet? Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever going to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, jobs are always changing. Social situations are always changing. Yeah, schools are always changing. Wrestling. I mean, wrestling. Uh, nothing's ever the same with wrestling, whether there's more days of the week at it or Saturdays, Sundays. Traveling. Yeah, travel. Um, but... It's, yeah. it's pretty much you have wrestling and everything else needs to be changeable. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing. Like wrestling is the number one priority. I feel like for me, so like well, I feel like my work schedule gotta be flexible in case I need to be somewhere for wrestling. I need to be able to take off. And, and social life, I feel like that's the easiest to work around wrestling because you choose when you want to be <laughs> working your social life or do your social things with your friends. Yeah, social life would definitely be the one thing that I have not um, <laughs> had any time for or saved any time for. Um, there's definitely no time allotted for that a week. This yeah. is this is our social life. Right? Yes. <laughs> now we talked about trust. Trust. How about trust in other promotions? Knowing how good you have it at the world famous Monster Factory, going somewhere else. Do you, are you guys hesitant at, at times? Um, I know. I know what I. I know what I should do when I'm in a situation. If I think that the ring is loose where i think the ring is bad where i think the people wrestling aren't trained well or i think in certain situations i can change what we're going to do like they always say by the time you when you lock up with someone you know exactly what you can do in a match mm -hmm. and if you have time to talk to them beforehand you're going to know what you're going to want to do in a match and you see the ring and you see that the ropes aren't aren't moving the right way and the ring is like concrete then you definitely change the way you wrestle to protect yourself and your opponent and also put on a good match. Yeah, we've been fortunate, and I personally have also been fortunate uh, to wrestle good people, to wrestle people who have experience, who are trained well. And uh, I can't emphasize how fortunate we are for that because I hear from everyone else how they wrestled X, Y, or Z, and they wrestled people who we're never even trained or awful, whatever. But if we do get into those situations, which I'm sure we will, uh, we've been taught well how to deal with it. Yeah, I would say I would just like get a deeper dive into what they're all about. Like I would, if I was going to a company, if I was going to a company, I would look at all their social media pages, 
see how they treat them. I'll see all the wrestlers they have on them to see what I'm dealing with, and that ultimately determines if it's the good move or not. Now, let's talk about the the oh-no moment. Sean, uh, one Ferran Burgundy told me uh, about an incident that happened where it's marvelous after a sunset flip. What was going through your mind when that did happen, and would you consider that one of your oh-no moments of uh, your, your young career? Yeah, I so said me and Marvelous probably went over that spot like a few times beforehand, and each time we did it, that didn't happen. So <laughs> I was, of course was not. Expected. <laughs> so we did the ring, and I felt it. Like, uh, I was like, and then here in the crowd, like, started chuckling a little bit. I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, this, <laughs> this is not like, Somehow I was able to manage it because the way, like, my, my butt was on him, like, I guess, when I was doing the sunset. Nice. I was able to pull up and add and kick out at the same time. So by the time I got by it, I wasn't mooning everybody. So that guy was only for, like, <laughs> a second and not for a very long time. Now, have you guys had any of that oh no moments yet, Brett or Goldie? Um, I, I pulled down Jester's pants in a match. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. no. So a thong was showing? Yeah, more than Yeah, thong. more than <laughs> Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now it's just like, uh, up, up, up. Uh, all right, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're I, good. I sold it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not nothing for myself, though, no. All my own moments are uh, just spiking myself. Or, or, um, or a famous one when he wrestled the OGs. When um, someone hit the mat and Goldie fell off the apron because they hit the mat so uh, yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, they've been stupid. There's like but no, uh, but I don't think either of us have moved the crowd. No, I haven't. That's a Sean thing. <laughs> the crowd got this money's worth, so I can say. Now, Sean, are you still fighting your brother? Oh, yeah, of course, 100%. Like, when we first had our interview, he wasn't back from the Marines, but now that he is, <laughs> it's go time, man. So when we get back in the station, we can finally do that thing when you guys actually fight in this, inside the station that like we talked about. Like said, he goes to nursing school, but once he's done, he's going to be joining up the factory, and hopefully we get that match. Nice. Now, speaking of trios uh, matches, do you guys have a dream match that you'd like to maybe do in AEW or somewhere else? Um, I think just coming from the factory uh, and them being so good, the Trios that we would want is the real life heels. Of course, one hundred percent. Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, and QT Marshall. Exemplifies Monster Factory wrestling, and uh, now we're in their place. So I think it would be a, a nice generational uh, fight. Also, if it happened like tomorrow, it would be the funniest thing in the world. Uh, well, it would be the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> would be fantastic. Well, once. Now, once WWE and AEW emerge, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe, exactly. Maybe we'll accept their contract. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. Got to redefine. You got to get Andy to, to redefine lines, right? Yeah. yeah. Now let's talk about May first. Uh, talk about the event coming up and uh, what fans can expect. May first, we have tag team turmoil. That's we need to cut a promo on after this. Um, tag team turmoil. We got bunch of people randomly picked so we're gonna have teams whether they're enemies they don't know each other they're friends it could be anyone and uh it's gonna be either a tournament or an actual turmoil and a gauntlet match of whoever wins that then faces us at the end of the night yeah this is my favorite show of the year i gotta say i don't know about you guys this is what is my my favorite yeah. i've been to i've had two of them 
I mean, last year I was betrayed <laughs> by Sean Venor. Yeah, um, <laughs> super good But it's okay. Yeah, this year is actually it's extra interesting for me because I'm actually I mean I'm in tag team turmoil. So if I end up do making to the finals, I'm having to face that over. Can't wait to see how that would play out. Right now, our plan is to bring a futon there and put it beside the ring and probably watch the show. <laughs> nice. Well, guys, I appreciate your time very much. Uh, always been a fan of, of all your, all three of you guys' work, and um, thank you for supporting Completely Damaged and always coming on. And um, any last words for the fans out there? Watch our videos. We're born better. <laughs> We're born better. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So from Brett, Goldie, and Sean, I'm RC. And you guys just been completely damaged on MonkerRadio.com, where music and rhymes meet. Thanks, guys.